Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we sit down to answer your big Arsenal questions of the week. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. We're back at you and kicking off a brand new season of Arsenal soccer. This next weekend is the opening game already. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's happened so quickly. It just feels insane that we just finished the uh, the season with the FA Cup win and like that the uh, season's starting up again yeah I can't believe it really but I'm excited I like you know just the the normal excitement is still there even though it hasn't been gone for very long I mean there's nothing like the uh, the the beginning of a season you actually have hope which uh, oftentimes towards the end of the season it gets a little uh, depressing but right now you have hope everything is uh, new and fresh and you know, I, I'm I'm super excited for the year. Well, we'll get into our hopes and dreams for the rest of the season a little bit later. But right now, let's kick things off with our normal what you've been drinking or what are you drinking this week? Uh, this week, I uh, went down to my local brewery called uh, Otherlands uh, Brewing, which is literally just two blocks down the street, which is an amazing place to have a brewery or a dangerous place. And I'm drinking, uh, what is the name of it? It is called household gods it's a uh, you know light crisp uh they call it a shallow beer like a german style uh late october beer which uh yeah is uh definitely hitting the spot nice i'm actually i was gonna take a guess that you're drinking a uh fremont uh inner urban even worse, I'm just drinking water. I am so dehydrated from like all the smoke in the air. I can't even bring myself to have a beer tonight. And my mouth won't won't tolerate it for all the talking we're about to do. Yeah, I know. I hear that. I'm looking outside and the sun's just about setting where I am. And it's bright pink, which is not a... <laughs> it's pretty, but it's not a good sign, I don't think. No, the the blood red moon last night was was a, a sign of things to come. <laughs> I mean, it's red for Arsenal, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a good sign for things to come. Um, all right, so th- hit me with your your question of the week, Tim. Uh, so I've been obsessed with the Tour de France for several years. I'm a cyclist myself, and I like riding bikes, and I like watching other people ride bikes. And so the Tour de France is going on right now. They delayed it. Normally it's much earlier. But it got me thinking. In cycling, you have a whole team and usually you have one like cyclist that the whole rest of the team is working for. And the rest of the team, it's kind of called uh, domestiques. And they're there to go back to the cars, get water bottle for the one great cyclist. They're there to kind of uh, ride in front of the cyclist to make sure that the wind isn't hitting them and all that. So it's a very underappreciated but extremely important role in the sport so i was wondering who would you say past present anytime has been arsenal's best domestic those uh those players that are carrying the water for the uh the stars doing their their job but maybe not getting as much recognition as they should well the person who comes immediately to mind is uh Granite Jaka because I, I feel like I don't I don't always know what it is he brings to the team. Like not to say he doesn't do anything or he's just not not flashy. He's not a, a huge goal scorer. He's not a huge defensive action guy, but he's involved on both ends. He is involved in carrying the ball. He makes other people work around him and clearly we're worse when he's not playing. 
so I think he, he fulfills a role that I can't quite put my finger on, but it's a very important role because you can tell when it's not there. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, he, for me, he's exactly who I had in mind, I guess, or who came to mind first when I came up with this question for the current squad. And I was thinking back in older squads, I was thinking like maybe a Flamini would be an, another great example. I love Flamini. That one year he was amazing. I'm blanking on the year. And that was what he did. He wasn't a sexy, sexy midfielder. He was just doing the jobs and doing them correctly. Yeah, you don't need to be a flashy player to be important. Um, and I think, you know, there there have been plenty of Arsenal players that, you know, will kind of slip your mind until you think back. And it's like, oh, yeah, that guy was totally solid and serviceable at his position. But... Um, when you think of Arsenal greats, they just don't jump to the front of your mind, but they're important players nonetheless. And I think like we've, we've almost had entire teams made up of those guys <laughs> at some points where it's just a lot of guys who are serviceable and can get a job done, but without the right stars for them to service or, you know, kind of be the domestiques for, uh, it just never quite comes together. So I, there is, there is a, a balancing act there. You can't, um, you can't have a full team of those guys. You definitely need one or two, maybe three that make it, make the team tick. But I think for the most part, you have to have some, some real stars to play at the top level. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's kind of funny because it reminds me of the first time I under like saw a Real Madrid game and it was like during the Galactico era. And I started seeing all the players and they were the players I was familiar with from the world cups that I used to watch. And I hadn't been into a, a, huge European uh, soccer, especially not Spanish. It was Arsenal and World Cup. And I remember seeing that Real Madrid team that was all superstars. It was like Figo, Zidane, like the Galactico, the classic Galactico era. And I just, I remember like, how does that team never or not win everything? But then you realize that the, when you have all those superstars together, there's no one doing the the dirty work. There's, there's no glue. It's everyone just trying to be a superstar. Yeah. And then we've seen that, how that can maybe sustain a team for part of a season or maybe a season, but I think eventually the, the ego or whatever it is that eventually gets in the way of some of these big stars from playing well together, um, catches up and it's, it's kind of like an inevitable implosion. You know that none of these things can really last. Because so I think it, it's it's a known fact that you need balance. You can't you can't have such top heavy teams. And I think a lot of what if it's not ego, it's salary, it's those sorts of things that usually break up those superstar teams. Yeah, and this is kind of out of the blue, but I was just kind of thinking about the question more. Would you uh, consider uh, Lacazette a domestic? Not until this last season, probably not. I think like. You know, previously we talked about it before. He was our MVP. I mean, he was he was a solid goal scorer. He held his own. Um, and I think in this last year, he he kind of got put into this role of needing to service the people around him and play a very specific role in the way that our, our offense worked. Um, I hope that they're fi- able to find a way to use him better. Um, and I think that requires probably an, a, another player. Uh, creating behind him um 
And we'll talk, we, we could talk about that a little bit more later on. Cause I think that's going to come up talking <laughs> about some of our tactics this season. So we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more, but yeah, I think he, he's become that domestique, uh, but I, I, I hope not for long. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've got lots to talk about because we've got a big game against Fulham this this Saturday uh, and lots of things to talk about just looking ahead for the rest of this season. It's, this is our um, beginning, really, you know, of the 20, 2020 2021 season gosh i don't i couldn't spit that out <laughs> so there's possible. lots lots to look forward to everything you're right everything is possible all the hopes are high um there's lot lots of um things we can talk about so let's let's figure out where where do we want to start what's where do you kick off this season um let's talk about players because uh right now we've got We've got a strong, semi-strong group. I, what's your overall feeling about this group as we move into this season? Are you feeling confident in the group that we have? If we started the season right now, didn't bring anybody else in, didn't let anybody else go, how would you be feeling? Well, it just it kind of depends on expectations. I think that's always an issue. There's the expectations and then the what the team does to fulfill expectations. If we're look, if our expectation is to win the league this year, this, this team is nowhere near, at least in my opinion, nowhere near that standard. I, you look at a city, you look at a, uh, Liverpool, of course. And then you look at what Chelsea has done in the off season, which has just been like, I, I don't know where the money's coming. I mean, we all know where the money's coming from, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> it, they, they've strengthened really well, really smartly, so are we in as is in that league? I, I mean, we, no, we, we, I don't think this team as it stands can compete for, uh, winning the uh, premier league. So Fourth where, place? where, yeah. Well, where do you see them? Like what's, what's maybe that's where we should start. What's a realistic expectation for this team? Like both, like what's your prediction for where we actually finish and what, like, where do you? What's the minimum that you would expect or demand from this team as a fan? I think realistically, this is the year we need to hit fourth. I think that we've had two years out of the Champions League. Two years, three years. God, uh, this time is all in motion. Uh, and uh, so we've had the time out of the Champions League, and we need to get back in. I think from a economic standpoint we need to get back in i think from a club standing point of view we need to get back in i if you're looking at the players we have i think top four is the top end of where we're going because if you if you really think about it i i mean i other than their coach i really who i don't really rate all that much i think chelsea has the pieces in place that they should be an easy third contesting for first place you have man city who I mean, still look amazing. And you have Liverpool, who are the defending champions. So those three spots, I think, are fairly sewn up. So there's a lot of teams competing for that fourth Champions League spot because you have, you know, Leicester, who I think 
you know, is definitely working their way to being up there. You have United, uh, that stupid team uh, in North London, um, who might be con- competing for that spot. Uh, Wolves, who ran it very well. So it's it's going to be a very competitive spot. So my brain says we will be lucky if we get fourth. My heart wants us fourth. Um, lowest without me, like burning down cities and flipping tables. We still, we European football is just always a must. So if we're not in the European places, that's disaster. Yeah, I think relying on the FA Cup for getting into Euro- European soccer was pretty. I don't know. That was a fluke. I don't. I don't know that we can rely on that as a path forward. Um, I think if if we're even taught in, in the discussion of oh we got to go win that FA Cup again, I it, we've done something wrong. Um, I mean, you've got FA Cup, uh, Carabao Cup, you've got Europa League, and Premier League this season. Um, it's going to be, I think we have a lot of depth um, and young players who can step up and really carry the weight on the um, Europa League and some of these other tournaments. So I think that's really helpful and, and good for them and will help us overall. Uh, so I expect to compete better in Europa League this year. I think last year was just such a disappointment going out the way we did. Um, I, I really, I want to get back to the final. I'd like to win it. I think like it's important that we win a European trophy. It's not going to be easy to jump into Champions League and just go out and win it. But yeah. some European hardware would be a big notch in in the belt of Arteta and would signal that they're making big progress. Um, so I would I would like to make that push again and get to that final and actually win it this time. I think there's unfinished business there. Um, so I know that path is not easy, but we, we have quality players who can carry, carry that, that weight. So I'm, I'm, my expectation is to go deep and get to the final with Europa League. Now that's a high expectation, but I think that's, that's not unreasonable if you're trying to push towards Champions League. I mean, I agree with you. And I think you have the players that have European experience in the team so that they may not they may not necessarily know what a premier league season is like but many of the newer players many of the players we have know what europe feels like so it shouldn't be a i mean it's a tough ask i shouldn't say it's not a tough ask but it, it i i i have high expectations in europe i have much higher expectations than what we did this year with europe yeah and i think if we have aspirations to make that leap to champions league we have to show teams that we're not pushovers i think that 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 is a part of our culture that has changed a little bit under arteta and um should continue to evolve um so i think going into europa league and having a strong showing against some of europa's uh, europe's minnows like i i don't i think we've made hard work out of the europa league in, in the past in some of these games we should have really dominated, we haven't showed very well. So I'd like to get to the point where we're a little bit more consistent across the board. And I, I totally get that that is 
difficult when you're traveling to middle of nowhere European uh, towns to play. Um, and I don't know how if that's going to get any better with the uh, pandemic uh, conditions in place as well. Uh, but you know, I, I just expect that having done it a couple seasons, uh, Arsenal's going to be in a good position to go deep. Um, but I think the the other challenge on top of that is also maintaining a, a strong Premier League squad, uh, rotating players, and getting um, good minutes for your young players, but also making sure that you're not putting out crappy teams in, in the other tournaments. You want to kind of find some consistency across the board. And I think that's... I think that's a, a, a goal or an expectation I have under Arteta is to find kind of more of an even keel uh, for Arsenal. I don't know always why they collapse in some of these uh, against some of these lesser teams, and we, we can probably jump ahead because we have a question about that, um, and we can just talk about it now. It's um, Karthik Shankar asked. Any uh, any concerns about beating mid or lower table sides who deploy a low block against us, where we won't be able to hit them on the counter? Um, I think that's been the Achilles' heel of Arsenal, and it's going to come up in Europa League and the Premier League. Um, pretty much every tournament we're going to play, and we're going to see that fr- that frequently pushed out against us, just because teams want to disrupt what Arsenal tries to do with their free flowing attack. And I think we've kind of had to shift away from that. Um, we're playing a little bit more defensive uh, against the bigger teams, and that seems to be working. But then we just get stuck. And I think that um, that low block is that mid mid or lower block has really been rough on Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it it is a concern to answer the question. Is yeah, yeah, I have I definitely have concerns about it. I think. It shows the difference between a good team and a great team are the teams that are able to not only stand toe-to-toe with the big teams, which we've shown in the last few games, that we can stand toe-to-toe with big teams. I mean, some of it isn't as... I mean, the Community Shield isn't necessarily the most competitive game of all time, but it still was. It still felt fairly competitive enough. And before that, against City and against uh, Chelsea. So I think it's not a case of us standing toe to toe. It is that breaking down those teams and having a second plan or a different way to go through. And while I have concerns, I think there are some, I don't know, uh, positives that we can look into it. I think one way is he's not necessarily my favorite player, but Dava Luis is passing from the back. And the fact that we look like we're trying to play out more from the back is going to be, I think a way to start breaking down those teams. Um, I think William, I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see if he has any creativity against those teams. And then just the sp- pure speed of someone like Pepe or uh, Saka coming through and breaking through those teams with speed is, I don't know what I, I'll be looking for. Yeah. I think what the, the piece that we've been missing is take, you know, we have great wingers. Um, we have a Balmayang, we have Lacazette, we have options that could break down a mid or lower low block, but they don't have anybody to provide the service. Mm-hmm. And I think that we haven't yet addressed that in this window. Um, 
I understand at this point we're looking to sell before we can buy. So unless things start, unless the dominoes start falling, which, you know, we've got time. I'm not panicking yeah. by any means. If I, I don't expect, unlike last season, we don't have to have a final product set for the first game. We've got a month or so before the window closes. So let's give it time and see how things go. But until that midfield gets addressed or gets tweaked in a way that allows Sabios or Shaka to start creating some things, which I, you know, I'm not putting it past them to have a, an occasional dangerous through ball or, or whatever the, those, those sort of dangerous key passes that seem to elude us. They need to come from somewhere. Um, I don't know if we have the personnel to do it. I, I'd like, I'd like to see what William can bring to the team. Um, I don't know if that's his game yet, you know, depending on how he's deployed. There's there's a lot of questions there. How to how to effectively beat that low block with the personnel that we have. But if if you can find a way to unlock some of these players that we have, we certainly have um, the means to do it if we can get that one that one key player in that will effectively replace Ozil. But man, I. What, what, we, we always talk about him, and he, he kind of pokes his head up every week with some sort of little news thing. Um, and now it, we're, we're getting close to the, the season starting, and he's, he's played a, a preseason game with the team, and he's not totally locked out. So maybe we see him in some role. I, if, if only coming off the bench, I would love to see just that option as far as the ability to change a game tactically by having that sort of player available even if he can't start or whatever it is that's preventing him from being the player we expect him to be find a way to use him if he's just going to be around you know yeah and i and i don't want to get too far into the uh, transfers and things and move but like, with azul like and i hate talk, i'm so tired of talking about him um yeah, if he's around, if we can find any way that he's useful, that'd be ideal. That'd be more than ideal. That'd be great. Uh, my worry is that the second you start pointing him into games and he's semi-useful, you're going to start getting the same old conversation of like, well, he needs to start, da-da-da-da. And I'm, I'm at a point where I think the team just needs to move on, and that's the worry about having him around is that the team's just not going to move on until he's gone it's weird to need a player like him but also want to move on from him like i completely agree that we we should move on and and it would be nice to ignore him and not have to worry about him anymore but at the same time there's this gaping hole in the team that we need to fill that he would be perfectly suited to fill on his best game and I think that's the caveat that that breaks this whole thing down is that he's only good in that role on his best day, and everything else is just not seemingly good enough. At least not in Arteta's mind. Well, and and for me, like it's it like our or not Arteta, but Ozil is exactly the difference between playing a player in FIFA and playing a player in real life, which is that on paper it should be the perfect fit and if you were playing well even football manager like you'd, you'd slot them in no brainer but in real life there's just something that's not meshing between the player and the club and it it's means that he's 
he makes the team less than what the stats should say, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about Jaka kind of elevating the people around him and, and making the team better when he plays. I think somehow um, Ozil isn't doing that that same thing and, and forces guys to have to play out of position or to cover for him. Uh, that just doesn't work. I think you, you want to... You don't you don't want to be in a suggestion uh, in a position where it's addition through subtraction. You know, like you don't want to have a player that is better off on the bench. Like just you just don't put them in the lineup because you'd rather have guys that actually be good for the team on the bench. So yeah, it's it's a real tough situation. And unless there's a big corner turned, I, I still think Arsenal need to go out and get somebody to fill that creative role. Um, and maybe they go out and find somebody that la- allows Ceballos to play a little bit further forward, or, um, yeah, I, Emil Smith-Rowe would be the other candidate that's out there, but, you know, I don't, um, I just don't know who else, who else we go get. Uh, the, the ROR transfer rumors seem to be stalling out just as much as everything else, just because we don't have the funds to go out and get the type of player that could fill that role. So until until other stuff starts shifting, we just won't know how that's going to shake out. Yeah, and again, as I say, I don't want to get too far into transfer talks right now. But I mean, I think for at least the first couple games, we're going to have to look at this that spot and just find internal ways to do it. Um, and so with that being said, who are the players you're excited to go and watch? Who, who, who are you really just stoked on the season starting and then what being able to see them play? Well, I'm very excited about our, our, our new center backs. I'm, I'm eager to see how, how they get used as far as we, whether we go with a back three or back four with those two players involved. Um, I think, that plus Tierney. I'm just very excited about Tierney in a full season. I think he's going to tear things up as long as he can stay off the injury sheet. He's he's one to watch. Um, and I'm curious about William. Uh, you know, he's... Yeah, he's a mystery to me. I know he's got skills. I know he's a solid player. But how we use him and how he can impact the rest of the players around him... Uh, it's really a big question mark in my mind. So I don't know how early, if he's even in the starting lineup, like I don't know what what the thinking is with him. So I'm very curious to see how Arteta deplo- deploys him. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm super excited about the, both our new center backs. And I, I know I need to have some patience and they may not even start for the first several games. But which of the two do you think are you more excited? Are you more excited about Gabriel or Saliba? Ooh. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, they're, they're kind of like an equal footing in my mind. I think they were nipping at each other's heels for some of the defensive stats uh, in their previous league. And, and now I, I think Saliba's been on our radar for a while. So we've had a lot of time to think about him joining the team. Um, the Gabriel thing's pretty pretty new, and he's so he's new and shiny. Um, it's hard to say which one's going to be better for the team. I think 
they they both have a lot to add and could be um, a huge change for us. You know, getting both of those players uh, acclimated and firing on all cylinders. They you know they've they've got a lot they've got a lot to they've got a lot to prove in this league. I think that's the big thing is how soon can we get them acclimated to the premier league and get them, um, working with the, the, whoever they get paired with in the back. I think, like I said, I, I, I would love to see the, whether it's Bellerin or Ainsley Maitland Niles on the right long-term, um, along with Tierney on the left and those two in the middle, that would be fantastic to see that young back four, if not, you know, them with Louise in the back three with Tierney and Bellerin pushed up as wingbacks. I think that sounds like a great plan, too. Um, I think they add flexibility and hopefully some defensive stoutness that we can rely on for a few years. Uh, just we got to keep them out of the the trainer's room. I think we, <laughs> we've had some bad luck with our center backs getting season-ending injuries. Um, we're just starting to see Callum Chambers come back. Uh, Rob Holding is still not back to his full self. We've had Mustafi out for big chunks. Um, so we need we need consistency both in play and uh, no injuries. That would be ideal. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm of the two, I'm just more excited about Saliba right now because I think Gabriel, like he's just he's new, but I think he's going to take a second to bet in. I don't know his situation with quarantine. I don't know when he's available, but even if he were available, I don't know if he's ready to start right away. Um, I'm just having knowing that we have this toy that we haven't been able to play with for the last <laughs> year in Saliba. I've I'm it's kind of like uh, I don't know getting your uh, asking for something from Santa Claus and waiting that whole month. And then finally it comes on Christmas morning, you get to unopen it and try it out. So I think immediately he's the, of the two, the one that I'm most excited about. And I think it is the beginning of the season. So you have to temper it with that expectation of I'm very excited about the season, but I think he, he should be someone that's very exciting to watch. I think based on some of the injuries we have in the rest of our center back group, um, I would not be surprised to see Saliba start against Fulham, um, mainly because he's been with the team for a while now, so he's had plenty of time to train. Um, and, yeah, I think he's just most ready to hit the ground running, whereas Gabriel, I think he's with the team, he's training, but you know he's probably a week or two behind. Um some of the other players. So I, I, I'd like to see Saliba early and often just to get him as many minutes as we can. And I think Fulham's a great, great place to start. Plus I'd be frightened to start with two brand new center backs to the league that are both very young. That has disaster ridden all over it. Right. Well, I, I don't, they don't seem like they're hothead. You know, they're not the type they're not the Louise type. <laughs> not that Louise is a bad player, but you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Whereas these two seem like they're fairly consistent, not not 
likely to give up um, bad challenge, a bad uh, giveaway. I think they they scream consistency to me. So if they can just get acclimated, I think we're in for a breath breath of fresh air by comparison to some of our other center backs that we've come to know and love. But we we've we do have it does look like Chambers is on his way back and holding is is still there. So um we do have some other options, but I, I think getting getting Saliba in as soon as we can is is probably a good thing. We you just can't you can't get acclimated to this league unless you play. <laughs> exactly. All right. So let let's keep on this player track. Who who do you have Chris Ledbetter, give us a, a question. Who is your early pick for player of the season? And who will be a dud? So w- w- big winners and big losers out of our player cor- our player group here. So I'm going to actually write these down so that we can revisit these at the end of the season because <laughs> I think it'll be fun to have a few predictions that we uh, we remember. So for me, early pick of player of the season... I think I'm going to have to just go the easy button on this. And I I, I think Obama Yang is going to be the player of the season and he has to be the player of the season if we're going to go far. He needs to be the 20-plus goal scorer heart of this team if we're, we're going to go anywhere with him. All right. I like it. I think that's probably – I mean, he's he's scoring the most – goals he's scoring all the goals <laughs> so i think it's it's a that's a easy guess and it's so to be different and to be i'm gonna, I'm gonna take a take a, a wild guess here and i'm gonna go with uh Sokka. Ooh, that's a spicy one yeah i think he just has so uh, if he gets playing time and anywhere he plays on the field he seems to find a way to make an impact um i i just think he can he's only going to get better we we saw just glimpses of what he can bring and i think he he's got probably two or three more gears left in him to go you know like i i don't think we've seen his top game yet and i think arteta's had time to look work with him and look at him and try to figure out how to use him best and so I'm I'm anxious to see how he gets deployed, whether he comes in as a super sub, as he you know because he can play in different different positions, um, whether he gets put on that left side of a midfield three, or you know pops up on the right. He just he there's so many opportunities for him to to make an impact, and I'm just I, I think he can be an MVP caliber player for Arsenal and still not be the top goal scorer. Like I think he, he can make, he can make impact on both sides of the ball goals, assists and defensive actions. Yeah. I mean, I like that. He, from what I've heard, I didn't actually watch any of the, uh, uh, the under 23 England games, forgive me. But, uh, from what I read in the, uh, the reports of him, he seemed to be doing pretty well there. So it's, it's all encouraging signs. All right, so that's our first. That's our first question. But who's gonna who's gonna suck? Who's gonna be on the opposite end of that spectrum? 
Who's going to be the dud? Um, there's a player I want to say, or I don't want to say, actually, but I have a deep feeling in my heart, and that's going to be Pepe. I, I worry, not that I think he's a bad player, but I think his price tag, which we kind of know now has been inflated through various various means and and things i just i just worry that that's going to be a a chain a weight around his 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 neck and he's just not gonna ever perform to the way that i think expectations are for him Mm, yeah i i hope i'm wrong i hope you're wrong (laughs) i hope you're wrong but yeah i could i could see it I'm trying to think of who. I hate who is likely. This is a tough one because I don't want any of these to be duds. Right, I don't want to cheer against any any player, or I don't want to think that anybody's going to fail us. Um. Well, I'm I'm gonna. This is this is pure speculation because we really haven't seen enough of this player, and I don't know how much we're going to see of this player. But I'm going to say Pablo Marie Ooh. is going to be a big fat dud. He was definitely on my radar. I, I, there was nothing to indicate that from the few games we saw him, but I just, I don't see him making a big impact. But he does fit, fill a very specific role in that he's a left-footed center back. We only have a couple of those to choose from, so he is going to play a part, some some sort of rotation. I just don't know if he's starting starting caliber or if he's just going to fill a, a kind of a backup role behind these younger players, ultimately. Um, and I don't really know how, he, how he's going to get on with these younger players. So I'm just going to take, take a guess that things are less likely to work for him and I, mean, I, think, and I won't feel too bad if it doesn't i mean i think it's a good shout again like i'm definitely not rude and i hope we're both horribly wrong yeah uh but you know and i think with murray it's also just a little bit of he's such an unknown quality quantity for right. us that i mean i i i hope he gets to have some time and i think you know competition is always good and I think having a lot of competition there is good, and we have we'll have plenty of games for him to play. So we'll see. I mean, but I could definitely I can see him definitely not living up to expectations. Okay, so now we're talking. Let's talk about depth, <laughs> and this is a this is still still from Chris Ledbetter here. What is our strongest position? And what is our weakest position on the field? It's so weird. Like it's the difference between depth and strength is something that I didn't think I'd split hairs on. Ever. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. It, you can have a lot of players and have them be crap. <laughs> I think our defense is somewhere where we have quite a bit of depth, but currently isn't this strong. I mean, I think getting Gabriel in, I guess changes that a little bit hopefully but i mean it's not a a a done deal for sure um i think having any i but i think more than the defense 
I think maybe our midfield is the weakest position, which seems weird to say, but especially in those attacking creative roles in the midfield, center center midfield, I think is our weakest position. As far as strongest, I think attacking is our strongest right now. I think Oba, Aubameyang makes it our just easy, strong, or maybe goalkeeping question mark <laughs> i was thinking like our strongest was either the front or the back yeah. but when you're looking like i think for a while we thought oh well Aubameyang and, and lacazette it's like an embarrassment of riches like we have way more than we need there um but yeah without a strong midfield then all of a sudden it makes your strong attack not quite as strong right whereas you know we've even with a poor defense, it actually gives more for these goalkeepers to do. So they've got they've gotten actually stronger, I think, because of the poor defense. So I, I think um, I think our goalkeepers are actually our strongest position, only because our midfield is weakening our our strikers. Yeah, I mean that's a definitely a fair point, um, and it's it's hard to argue with our keepers being the strongest because I think they are the best two goalkeepers, like a, a one-two combination if there's such a thing for goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. But our one-two is the best in the league without a doubt. I don't think there's much drop-off between the two and I think they're all at a fairly high quality. Did, I mean, did you watch the uh, the Germany-Switzerland uh, game? I did not. How did Leno look? Uh, Leno looked uh, good. I mean, he had a. It was funny. Jaka had a couple shots on him, <laughs> which was fun, <laughs> funny to see. Um, I, I think Leno looked pretty good. Uh, there was a goal went in. I didn't. I didn't think it was really his fault all that much. So he looked as good as a uh, trap did. So. So is he like the number number two, be behind Neuer? Uh yeah. So there's a whole. It's a whole big mess of things because there's uh trap uh and uh and uh leno that are kind of behind neuer but there's the issue that neuer did not do great during the world cup and was injured before the world cup so there's there's a lot swirling around in the german goalkeeper position Mm. neuer is kind of getting towards the end of his career it's i mean it's it's a kind of a lot like the uh spanish goalkeeping uh thing before Castilla left or Castillas uh, left. So he's second or third, depending on who you talk to. Maybe some people in the German press would say he is, should be number one, but yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think looking at our goal, two goalkeepers, that's, it's a no brainer to me. Whereas like, I think the the striker position has the potential to be our our strongest. Uh, just if you're looking at the up and coming uh, group as well, we've got Martinelli when he comes back. We've got Nketia waiting in the wings here, who's um, starting to make a case above Lacazette in some games. Um, I think you know Saka can can kind of slot in in that strikers group. A little bit. Uh, Reese Nelson's in there. We've got a lot of guys who can play up front and make an impact. They're just not quite there yet. You know, I think Aubameyang just stands head and shoulders above everybody else and is our most consistent 
um, until somebody else can make a case, you know, start sharing that load a little bit. I just, I can't say that's our, our strongest position. Yeah. And who do you think is, uh, the weakest or what is the weakest? I should say. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely comes to, it comes back to that midfield, which is really unfortunate. Cause I don't think, I don't think Xhaka or Ceballos played badly. Um, it's just, there's something missing there. Like I said, and, um, finding that, that player that, un- that unlocks the midfield is going to be a huge, huge piece to making this team tick going, going forward. Um, unless they can find a way tactically to make up for that lack of creative force there. I mean, and I, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit when we start talking about tactics for the Fulham game and, and that, but how much is the weakness of our midfield due to the, the three back system that we seem to be locked into playing right now with the fact that you have to, with, with that three back system, you then have two midfielders kind of sitting back and then you have this very large gaping hole in the middle of the field. When I was putting together my my uh, tactical board of who I thought was starting, I just <laughs> like how I have it. It looks like a very big circle with nothing in the middle. Right. Yeah, I think ideally you want you, you want to try to get a four three three where you have somebody that can sit in that hole, um, or three four three. Excuse me. Um, somebody who can and plug that hole a little bit. But again, I don't, where does William fit into this team? Is he going to come in and create, or is he going to push out, push out wide? We don't necessarily need more wide players. Um, if you've got, uh, you know, two wingbacks who are pushing forward, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, I just don't know where that, where we're going to get that from the players that we have, who's going to, who's going to just stick in that number 10 slot and allow people to, to push up in front of him. Who's going to get the most out of Lacazette. Who's going to get the the most out of Obama coming, cutting in. Well, I, and, and also when you're playing that three back system, I think what one of the issues is that you are taking away kind of a player from that midfield. You know what I mean? Yeah. Either one or both. I mean, yeah, yeah I think Sabios or or Zaka has to kind of step in to um, fill fill the the holes when 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 the wing backs are pushing all the way up. Um, and you're even seeing like Tierney push forward if he's on that left hand mm-hmm. left side center back, he's getting pushed up. So then you're you've got Zaka playing in, in the back liner. So you know he's he's way back, so he's not getting to. Um, distribute the ball up the field. Um, so Ceballos would, would track back and get, collect the ball and push it forward, but it's easy to get overrun in the midfield when you have like escaping hole and then one player to fill it. And then you've got all these guys bombing down the sides. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's worked in some cases, but I think as a long-term strategy, we're going to have teams come at us and and know that they can take advantage of some of those uh, frailties that, that it leaves. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a concern. It's definitely that midfield. And I, that's why you, you want a, a party 
to to come in to shore up the, the defensive side of the midfield so it's not easily overran. Um, but then who you pair with that, that sort of defensive midfield, there has to be a creative force that can step up and, and, and fill the other side of the, that midfield role. And, uh, I don't know who that is yet. So we'll see, we'll see if, if somebody steps up, maybe it is a Sabios or a, a Zaka just in a different role. Well, I mean, I was, I mean, I was just about to mention Sabios as I mean, that was kind of the player that was advertised to us. And I think he has it in his locker, at least creative passing and that kind of very continental style of plays, how I kind of remember people talking about him when we were getting him in. I think the way we've had to play, and I mean, the way we, we played under Emery is not even worth really talking about. And then just kind of like this elastic shoring up uh, of our team has meant that he's kind of stifled his his creative. So maybe if we do get, you know, a party in, that will allow uh, him to have, Sabios to have more of a creative role. Or maybe Jaka, you mentioned Jaka again when he was playing for Switzerland. It was very different to how he played for Arsenal. It was very interesting. He was taking shots. He looked more involved going forward than he does for us. So he might have that in his locker. Who knows? Yeah, he, he's a very solid passer. I haven't seen his most creative side with Arsenal for a while. It's not to say he can't do it. Um, we just have to find ways to allow those players to get forward and get into positions where they can make those incisive passes. I, I believe it's possible. I think we could do it if, if we didn't sign, if we weren't able to go sign another midfielder, I think that would be very disappointing, but I don't think it's the end of the world. I think we could make it work. It's just lacking in a little, it's, it's the depth there is also a little concerning. So that's, I'm I'm not I'm still not fully convinced on Willock in the in that area. Um he's not a bad player, but I'm still not sure what what his strengths are. Um I'm trying to think of who else we've been deploying in that in that area. I mean not in that area, but we I mean the the, the depth we have there are some interesting depth pieces like uh, Aiden Sleemate Niles mm-hmm. in the midfield there. I'm, yeah, I mean, I was going through our midfielders and just kind of thinking, and then I came across Ganduzi, but <laughs> that's a whole nother. Yeah. We have uh, El Neni there, too. And I, again, maybe uh, distance makes the uh, heart grow fonder, but the, what I was able to see of him in the community shield, I wasn't unimpressed. Yeah, I I don't know if it's necessarily the best of what's out there, but if we couldn't move him on and we couldn't get the players in that we wanted to get, uh, he definitely adds something uh, as far as moving the ball. I don't know if he's an improvement on any of the, you know, if he's that much better than Willock. Um, He's certainly not better than than Xhaka or Ceballos, but... It, 
we definitely need depth in that area if we're going to make a four a four tournament run this season. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that sounds like a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm already stressed about trying to figure out TV times and all that. <laughs> well, speaking of TV times, we've got a game this weekend coming up. Fulham, bright and early for us West Coast folks. Uh, so, see me at four thirty on on Saturday morning. Yeah, that's definitely to record the game and wake up <laughs> for me. <laughs> But uh, what are you? What are your predictions? Who are we? Who are we going to see starting for Arsenal against Fulham? Um, this like I actually went and found this cheesy little site just so I could like plot the players on the field and think about it. And one of the hard things for me about it was trying to figure out who I wanted to see versus who I think I'm going to see versus just like who throughout the season we're going to see type of starting lineup and. I think <laughs> the going out the gate, that one of the hardest positions, I just, how I built it is I built my like definites and then kind of filled in from there, starting with the the goalkeepers. Usually the easy way, I put Emmy Martinez to start against Fulham. What are your thoughts on that? That's tough. I think, and we'll we'll be talking about this after the break. But there's there's teams sniffing around him as far as wanting to lure him away from Arsenal. Um, so do you play him to put him in the shop window? Do you play him to try to get him to stay? Or do you put Leno in to establish that this is our, our number one and Emmy Martinez, if you want to stick around and be number two or, you know, that, you don't lay that out and say (laughs) Leno's, Leno's one. And if you want to stick around, this is, this is what it's going to be. And that's where, like, I'm playing like a little bit of I don't know mind games and 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 just kind of thinking ahead, which is you put if you start Leno in this game, Martinez is if not physically gone from the team, mentally gone from the team. I think it, it's over because he's and I could totally understand him mentally going like, screw this, you know, I played out of my skin when I needed to one technically two cups, the double, the quote double, I'm calling it a double. Um, and for him to be dropped after that, I, I, I would think it's so unfair, but if you start him the first game of the season and you manage Leno, well, where you're saying, Hey, Leno, you just came off of a international break. Um, I don't actually know if Martinez didn't even leave for international break. Did he? I, I don't think so. And so you just, tell Leno, Hey, like you just came back. We're giving you, you played, we're giving you a little rest and have Martinez start the game. It does serve multiple purposes. It gives Martinez a chance to show himself. And I think it, in a goalkeeping position, it's only fair for the keeper to, for, for him to lose the position as opposed to have it taken away. Uh, I think it does put him in the shop window that, you know, people will, will pay attention. His price will only, you know, I think it will help his price if we do end up selling him. And we don't lose a player's heart early on in the season. That's just kind of like my thought on it. Yeah, I. that's a tough call. I could go either way on that one. All right, so what do you got? What do you got playing in front of that, that position? All right, this was actually really hard. Um... Other than I think we're going to start the season in a back three. And I think, as I said, I 
don't have a, a huge confidence that Gabriel is going to start the first game. So I have David Luiz, uh, Saliba. I think we're going to get a cheeky little Saliba start. And then uh, Tyranny, actually, as that third center back. Okay, I can get behind that. And then that means our wing backs. I have Saka as one of the wing backs, mm. which I went back and forth. He was actually the last player I put on the sheet, but I put him on the sheet eventually. And then uh, one of the early, I put Suarez over Bellerin. And, and, and Maitland-Niles. And Maitland-Niles. And I think it just seems like a a game where we need we're having someone steady in there. I think Bellerin, we're going to try and see how the transfer market works for him, and maybe not risk him getting injured. And we have someone like Suarez who uh, is that how you pronounce it? Is it Suarez? Suarez? I don't know the exact pronunciation. I think it's, I think it's Suarez. Suarez. Uh, someone like him in who's a very uh, comparable replacement. So I don't think you lose that much with not starting Bell in this game. And we'll see how the, uh, the transfer rumors go. Yeah, I, I would think I would I put Maitland Niles above him on that, on that list. Um, he's coming off a, his first English national team start or no, not to start. He just had an appearance, but I think like um, the coach seems to want to con- continue to play players that um, have shown that they have the skills that he's looking for. The the type of player that he likes to reward is is the the Maitland Niles type that just work gets out there and works hard. So I think if you're not going to play Bellerin. Um, Maitland Niles is probably the number two there in my mind. Do you have any uh, worry about it just like coming back from international duty? Because he was playing for the U twenty threes, right? Not the full national team. No, he's on. He made his full national team debut. Oh, he made his full na- against Denmark. Uh yes. Or was it? It was today, right? Yeah, that was today. I didn't watch that yeah. game because I was watching the Sweden Portugal game and then cried. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh wow i didn't know i thought he was on the u23 team that's awesome actually that he made yeah him. so he's, full, he's, full he's another person that's you know you want to kind of keep keep rewarding and keep happy keep happy on the team because i think he's his stock keeps going up yeah but i mean do you do you have any concern about him with the international travel and all that and i know Not, they they don't have a quarantine they have a bubble that they're part of but uh that or do you think you just start them. I'm not super concerned about people that were on international duty. I think like Shaka will come in and play, you know, this just kind of like, because they were, they're, they're trying to keep a cadence and, and get ready for the, the regular season. Um, you know, the players who weren't uh, on international duty were playing uh, behind closed doors preseason match. So I think the idea that, we should be worried about players coming back from that. Um, I think that that only helps them and get, get into a rhythm for the regular season. And at this point, I think like the protocols for the coronavirus exposure and that sort of thing. Um, I'm not super concerned about the international players at this point. Yeah, no, I, I totally buy that. 
to we'll see it'll be interesting to see i i think that position will be an interesting position to watch throughout the season as well to see kind of who plays on that right side yes absolutely and then the midfield i feel like it picks itself i think it's a pretty as far as just kind of like the next level of the midfield it's uh sabias and jock i the combination worked well for us to last season or well enough i guess towards the end of last season um i don't see any movement before the game and even if there is any movement in the transfer window i don't think they're going to be starting the next game uh what are your thoughts i i think you're right i don't see any change in that that midfield pairing at this point um i mean the cat's pretty much out of the bag. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Spios is officially back with Arsenal for another season, so I think it's his his position to lose at this point. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we can get more into Spios uh, when we talk about him in the transfer section. But it's, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's nothing sexy, but it is <laughs> something that's steady, which, you know, maybe we shouldn't complain too much about. <laughs> um, and then... Going forward, there's the obvious easy. I mean, Aubameyang's going to start up top. I have him. Actually, Are you think he, you're going to? That's where I'm. I I would say he's definitely not starting up top. Oh, I mean, I I don't think Arteta pl- likes playing him up top. I think he he thinks he's better off the left. It's interesting. And it has said as much. I just he doesn't. I, I it would be a rare occasion that I think he would start him up top. And this is where we're going to get into some interesting discussion, I think, because who I have coming off the left is I have Will I am coming off <laughs> the uh, off the left. I know he has played that in some of the uh, training games. They've been playing mm-hmm. him there. I know that's his pers- preferred side. I when I was playing around with this, I was kind of definitely flipping around. And actually, when I originally had Aubameyang in the in my like lineup i had him actually coming off the left but i was trying to find space for pepe who i think is going to start the next game and if you're going to do pepe you do pepe off the right willie i am off the left and obama yang in the center is how i have it yeah so then like if you're if you're trying to squeeze in William, mm. I think I think you have for him to be in this side, you have to play with a back four. And that's where I was really like it was really as I said, I had like a whole like tactical board out and I was kind of like moving players around like it was a magnet board. And this is just where I came to with more who I think is gonna play and how they're gonna set up than I want to play, if that makes sense. Sure. Um. Yeah, and that's why I'm I'm still very unsure about what what, what role William will play, because you do have you do have a Saka. Like if you were play if you're playing a back four, um, you know Tierney pushes out to the left side. You've got uh, Bellerin or or uh, Suarez on the right side, and then yeah, your your center back pairing of Saliba and Louise or uh, whatever your your two two there are. Then I think you would do Sabayos, Shaka, William, with you know either Saka pushed up on that left side, or yeah, you could do Saka um, either on that right side with instead of Pepe, 
or you do, you know, about the, the Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe front three that we've seen so often, or you have Nketiah instead of Lacazette. There's just a lot of, it's, it's tough to decide who's, who's going to be the most uh, effective there. And, and I, I'm, very anxious to see how William gets used. It's it's definitely going to have a roll-on effect on the rest of the lineups. Yeah, and 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 one of the reasons I did put him on the list is just like reading the uh, reports that he's been starting some of the preseason there, so I know it is in the mind of Arteta at at the very mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. And you know, and just looking at it now, when I'm looking at it, like that that left side of from front to back of going from Tyranny to Saka to William, that sounds fun. Like, yeah, that, our left side is is what's our strongest position on the field? Our left side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to see how that continues to roll on. We've seen great combinations with Tierney and Saka and Aubameyang down that side, and if you throw William in there, that's in some in some role. I'm it can only get better. So, what are you what What are we doing on this this right side though? That you have. And just kind of, in, not even just the sides, I guess, is this attacking area where you have Obama Yang, William, Pepe, and Lacazette all vying for spots there. What, what, what's your ideal kind of starting forward line? I think playing William behind the front three is what I'd like to see. Um, I just don't know how he is as a creator uh, or, you know, if he's a go- a good goal threat going straight at goal like i don't i haven't seen enough of him playing from the left to know that that's like his deadly position i know he's played a lot on the right and well he's um, played a lot on the right for chelsea but his preferred yeah. position is actually on the left that's where he prefers to play yeah and i, I so it i guess in my mind i don't really know how he would play centrally but I feel like if you're trying to get him onto the field and you have a gap in that central area, that it it seems like that that fits for right now. He might be the best best person for that, rather than trying to get Lacazette to pull back and and fill that hole. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're pulling Lacazette back and letting Aubameyang run in, it's not the worst thing in the world. It just kind of depends to me what we're going to see out of Pepe this year. And for that matter, like, you know, is, is Reese Nelson going to push for a spot? Um, is Saka going to push for a spot up there? Um, Martinelli's going to come back and make a push for some, some role in those areas. So there's, there's going to be, um, and Kedia is going to be in there as well. It's like, there's, there's a lot of guys that are pushing to make the case to be in the starting lineup. Yeah. I think Pepe has gotten a good, uh, rapport with Bamiang setting him up from the top right of the box. Uh, he's had moments of brilliance. Um, I think he's just got to get consistency. Um, I think it's his spot to to lose, really. But he's got guys that are going to push him. I think William's going to push him. I think Nelson's going to push him. So hopefully he shows up in his second season and really hits the ground running. Yeah, and that's where, like, I, as I say, just this isn't my ideal lineup for the entire season. It's just just for right. Fulham, and I think yeah, I think the coach. Arteta has to give Pepe a chance, and I think he does against Fulham. I think it's going to be interesting. What do you think about a back three? Do you think we're starting the season in a back three? 
it would not shock me in the least. But like I said, I think like ultimately a four three three is going to get their best best players on the field. Um, I like having wing backs to work with. I think they've had they've found some uh, success with Bellerin and, and Maitland Niles on playing in that position. Um, Saka can easily slot in there. Tierney can easily slot in there. So it allows you to do some some different things. Um, but I think if they can find the right um, third midfielder, I think ultimately you want to have a four three three going forward. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. It's coming up in a few days here, and uh, I couldn't be more excited, even if it is at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> no, I'm super stoked. You may actually find me wake up at 4.30 in the morning for the game. So, I, I, I used to do it where I would like base it on how excited I felt. I, could, I would set an alarm and then just be like, okay, am I, am I really excited to see a Fulham game right now? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll force myself to get up. If I just roll back over, that's my answer. <laughs> it's just for me, it's just so easy to just turn, like, basically ignore my phone and wake up and pretend like it's uh, four thirty when it's actually nine thirty. So yeah, but you can still go back to bed at six thirty. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm awake uh, at four thirty, maybe I'll go through the night. But yeah, <laughs> just just push it. <laughs> All right. Let's take a tiny, tiny break. We'll be right back and talk about a couple more things before letting you go. All right. Welcome back to the podcast here. We've got one more thing to talk about, and that's our transfer window update here. Uh, we already alluded to it. We already pretty much talked about it. So Bios made his signing official for one more um, loan season from Real Madrid. Were you excited about this at all? Or was it just kind of a foregone conclusion in your mind? I was pretty sure, and I think I've mentioned it before, that I I, I mean, I know Zidane just has no rating for Ceballos at all. And so it just doesn't, it makes sense. It's one of those things that just makes sense on everybody's end that, you know, Arsenal sees a role for him. Madrid doesn't at all. Why not let Arsenal pay for his wages? Uh, I don't know the extreme detail. I don't know if they announced the details, but I assume Arsenal pays his wages. There wasn't any other money going back and forth. I don't recall what the what it ended up being. I think the rumors were it was they were going to cover his entire wage package this year. Um and that was it. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what the final contract ended up looking like. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like. I mean, from everything I I, I read, it was it sounded like a pretty vanilla uh, deal. And I th- I think it's good. I think it, he fills a position. As I said, he's in my starting lineup. No brainer. One of the first things I, players I put in against Fulham. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more from him this year. I think he will be able to hit the ground running because he's had a year in the Premier League now. So hopefully he has all the adjustments. Hopefully we can see a lot more of his creative side, more of his passing side, more of his classy side than we're used to. Yeah, I think the biggest disappointment to me is that the con- I think the, the contract does not include any 
option to buy. Um, so the frustrating thing is, as we put two two seasons into this player who's filling a prominent role for us, and we definitely need him to do so, um, to see him develop into a, a, a better player and then not, you know, we're either going to have to pay a, a significant fee for the, that development at the end of this or see him go somewhere else for wages we couldn't afford. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it ends in happiness for us. So I hope we get the most out of him that we can in this, in this season. Yeah, I agree. I think the issue is that I, and I am so not a contract specialist, but in the, the most recent contracts I've seen for loan deals, there's not a lot of just free options to buy. I like that, you know, we, we have first dibs or, or whatever. Mostly options to buy are mandatory options to buy. Sure. Which I can I can definitely see Arsenal being a little reticent about because while he's a good player and playing in a prominent role, if he is this uh the the that he was this last season, I wouldn't sell the farm to keep him. Right. So I, I you know, I think there's a lot of upside to this. And, you know, it is, I mean, and, you know, at the end of the day, good for him if he uh, becomes a superstar player and wins us some silverware and then moves on the next season. That's, you know, kind of the, the way, place we're at. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if we if we were to bring in another midfielder, um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have that flexibility of like, oh, we've, we've got... We got this new guy we've brought in, but spent big money on, and now we've got this other Subios guy who's on his way out in a year. We're not, we're just paying his wages, so all we have to do is just get give him some, um, you know, rotational minutes, and it's no skin off our back when he leaves at the end of the year because we've got this other guy. So you know, getting if the goal is to get another midfield signing, then having Subios there as insurance or as a rotational player is not a bad thing. Exactly. And it's, it, it allows for flexibility, I think more than, than anything else. And I mean, yeah, who knows? Uh, he may become a superstar and then we lose a, you know, multi-million dollar transfer fee, but I don't, I think if you're looking at the over or under on him being a 60 million pound player is very much on the under. Yeah, I don't I don't see it yet. But yeah. he's young, he's got some time, he's hasn't hit his prime yet. So you never know. Yeah, you never know. It would be very arsenal if that if he does become a world class player <laughs> it somewhere would be. else. I mean, I mean <laughs> But I mean, I I like I'm not mad about not having the option. I think it's a, a, a just a smarter play on Arsenal. Uh-huh. In just the, in the economic times because I think we're we're still on the hook for the Pepe money and we're still on the hook for a lot of other things. And if we're trying to actually put together a deal, like if we got party, for example, well, it's not a direct replacement. I would think that in a lot of ways, Sabias would be start becoming surplus to requirements. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Let's talk about a little bit more about uh, the goalkeeping situation. Uh, there have been some, uh, Proposals made on taking Emmy Martinez off our hands. Um, sounds like Arsenal have, have 
put a price tag on him of around 20 million pounds, um, which to me seems low. Like what, what in your mind, what, what sort of fee should we be expecting for that player for Martinez? The things I, I, I don't know what fees mean anymore in this time. Like you have (laughs) teams like Chelsea that are basically apparently have unlimited money. Like, did you see some of the fees that they're paying? Like, I I think they bought like three players over like 60 million pounds in like the last two weeks. And so I don't know. I think 20 million isn't crazy for his body of work. If you consider that what uh, two years ago, he was playing at a much different level that he, no one has really, I don't know, seen him at his best until he's had this run of how many games was it? Six games? Uh, it was, Somewhere around six. It was, more, it was a little more than that, but I think, it, yeah, not, not a ton, not yeah. a big sample size. Yeah, less than, uh, less than 12. I yeah, probably should have done this think. research earlier, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're coming so fast; it's hard to differentiate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, so I think you have a small body of work where he's been playing fairly well to exceptionally well. There were, you know, some games where he was above average, but not like lights out. And then there's some games where he was lights out. I think we get excited, or at least I get excited because I love the fact that he's a tenure personal player that he has the history. I think that's, I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. Uh, but I can see a lower valuation because there's not a lot, uh, on the flip side, goaltenders tend to mature at a much later date than other players, than outfield players, especially, or that's the only way, but, uh, so yeah, I, I don't think 20 million is super low, especially in this, unprecedented time yeah it's just hard when you see we've seen goalkeepers go for as much as 60 70 million in in recent seasons um not to say that he's that level uh, by any means but i would hope i would hope they would be able to extract north of or 30 for him if you're talking about a starting quality premier league goalkeeper i think asking for 30 million is low so 20 million is a steal in my mind well and i mean i think part of this comes back to the fact that we do need money <laughs> you know right and i think there's not been i haven't seen at least a lot of action going on on the players we want to get rid of <laughs> and so at a certain point if we're going to bring in a party if we're going to re-sign Obama Yang, which we're going to get to, we need some sort of income coming in. So maybe it's, I don't know, a way to get get some sort of interest, some something for him. I, I, I also understand. I mean, he's not the national team's starting keeper yet, and so that I mean, I, I just. He has a lot to prove, so I, I, I see it. I'm not happy with it necessarily, but I see the 20 million pound valuation. Well, let's hope they can. You know, he he's still under contract for a couple of years, so there's no rush to get him out the door. Um, if they had to hold on to him for another year and say, "Hey, man, you're just going to have to buck up and be our second, our second string guy," or you know, you're going to get you're going to get cup games, so 
just ride out this year and, and put yourself in the biggest show window you can. Um, I think that wouldn't, if he's truly the Arsenal guy that he says he is, he would suck it up and play for one more year if that's what we needed. My ideal uh, dream situation is to have him be the uh, Europa League keeper and have him hold the Europa League Cup. Like I, I think that would be a, I don't know, a fun way for him to get his playing time, be in the shop window, and still have Leno be getting minutes as well. Yeah, so let's 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 see how this plays out. I don't, you know, Arsenal were trying to get, we're also rumored to be trying to get him a new contract to kind of get his wages up. Um, but it sounds like he rejected their initial contract, so I think things are still in flux, and that that situation is probably going to play out over the next month here. I don't know. I don't see it changing quickly um, as teams go back and forth on him. But uh, uh, he, he seems like definitely like a player that we're looking for the right offer. Yes. Not just any offer. Right. And one last thing, we're still waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this Aubameyang um, signature to happen. But for by all indications, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. But man, what are we waiting for at this point? <laughs> I, I don't know. and it, it, It's worrisome to me. I, I never believe any transfer rumor. I never take anything to heart during the season until it's actually signed in blood and you have the presentation with the scarf. I... And so when I started hearing the rumors of like, oh, it's just signed. I mean, it's in principle signed. It's just going to be announced any moment. I, I kind of took it with a grain of salt. And the longer it goes on, the more worried I get about it. <laughs> and I think it's one of those things, too. The more players we start signing, the more worried I get about it. Because this, all this is, there's limited finances, and we know that. And... When you sign the Williams, when you sign the Gabriels, this is taking from the small pot that we have. And we spent a lot for Pepe, I think, borrowing into this year. So I don't know how much is in the pot. And when we're seeing none of our players really moving on, I mean, Torreira, did he officially move on, move on, or is it? I think that's still, there's still a couple teams looking at him. Yeah. So that's not nothing official there yet. So we don't have it's been like very little on the outgoing mm-hmm. front. And I think that is my worry is that we're waiting on selling players to be able to resign him for the wages that he wants. And I can also see a world where we are basically going all in for getting fourth spot and basically willing to let his contract run out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, it's hard to see Arsenal throwing in the towel on on getting him. I think I think they want him. I think Arteta wants him. I'd be really surprised if they weren't throwing everything they had to keep him. And I think part of the reason that he will resign is because we haven't heard a lot of um, rumors about anybody knocking on the door to take him away from us. So without some escape and and somebody tempting him away. I think Arsenal's the best and his best contract chance right now. Well, I mean, he could run out. The thing is, he could run out the clock, and it's not like any, no one's going to sign him when his contract goes out. 
And instead of paying a transfer fee, that money's going to go half into his pocket and half into his agent's pocket as opposed to like the transfer fee coming through. That's what other players have done with Arsenal too. There's no, I don't think there's a huge, as huge of an incentive as a lot of people think for him to resign a new deal. Well, he's another year older at the end of this. So if he does run out his contract, I don't know that the um, wages and, and uh, things that he, he could command, you know, one year when you're over 30 makes a big difference. So I think that it, it does diminish him a bit if he, if he were to wait until he could transfer on a free. Even if, he, it, he, even if there wasn't a transfer fee involved, I think he, he would not get as much as he could get from Arsenal in a, in a contract now just because Arsenal need him more. Yeah, I mean and, and again we're we are definitely speculating on on things that we don't really know the hard numbers. But my yeah. worry is I don't know if Arsenal has the money to offer what the, that that difference. You know, that he's worth a lot to Arsenal, but do we have the money to pay pay that? Mhm. is my what? my worry. For as long as they've been talking about re-signing him, I think they would not even be talking about it if they weren't able to offer him something in the ballpark of what he would be looking for. You know, I mean, this has been going on for months and months. Um, And I think a lot of what drew this out was waiting to see if somebody else would step up. And when that didn't happen, then I I really do feel like it's just a matter of time. Um, But Again, speculating. I, it's, I I would hope they get this out there before the season starts, but I don't see it happening this week. But who knows? There's really never any any indicators until it just happens. Yeah. I mean, one of the nice things that's happened for us is that it seems like Messi is staying at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that definitely does uh, mean his options are less for going away which means he probably is more likely to sign a new contract with us. So, Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're just about done for this week. Tim, do you want to talk about Fantasy League real quick? Yeah, I mean, I would love to talk about the Fantasy League scene as we have a couple people on board, but there's one big missing person in this Fantasy League. And I'm looking across the internet at you, Caleb. Why haven't you (laughs) made your team yet? I have not made my team. I've been heads down doing fantasy football this week, so I will shift my focus back to fantasy soccer and get that all set up so I can get all my fantasy ducks in a row here. Yeah, you better get going quickly, otherwise you're going to lose points for not having a team set up in the first game of the season. Uh, Okay, I'll get it going. I will get it done by Saturday. Okay. Um, But yeah, so we're doing the fantasy league through the Premier League official site. Um, I'll read out the, the link very quickly but it's fantasy.premierleague.com backslash leagues and uh you can join us our code is i as in i i don't know what the <laughs> military code i was gonna say something clever ibex i don't know what the i is but i l is in larry the number two f as in fancy n as in nancy <laughs> and then zero is our join code for that. Or if you have any troubles, you can either email Caleb or I, or the, uh, go to the, uh, Cascadia Gooners site and just ask how to join and I'll, uh, walk you through it. It's pretty simple. Pick, uh, you have a budget, you pick your 
I think it's uh, 14 players, 15 players um, that you want. And then as the league season goes on, you can transfer in and transfer out players. Uh, there's no real rule against it, but you will be judged if you put a Tottenham player on your team. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple, pretty fun. You will learn how bad I am at fantasy if you join the league. You will see, you will be at least above me. If you join this <laughs> you're guaranteed to beat one person if you join this league. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds fun. I'm going to get on it, and uh, we hope you join us too, because the more the more the merrier, and uh, it'll be fun if we get some some good competition in there. Exactly. Uh, all right. Thank you all for for joining us this week. Let's wrap things up. I think in a couple people here, uh, Bobcat. Thanks to them for their awesome theme song at the top of the show follow them at or well follow them on their social media which you can find at bobc.at that spells out bobcat go check out no course to follow their most recent album there and get on their social media stuff uh, at that site and if you haven't subscribed or um, left us a review or you know told a friend about us we would love it if you do that we're getting into our second season of arsenal and uh now is the time to get get more let's try that again now is the time to get the word out about our podcast and we would love it if you would help us with that um thank you for joining us on this journey so far if you want to touch base with us give us your questions find out about uh anything with the fantasy league uh, reach out to us west of north london at gmail.com or on twitter we are at w of n london i will certainly be live tweeting a lot of these games as i watch them at 4 30 in the morning so if you want that live uh reaction in real time first you have to get up early and then you have to follow us on twitter uh that's pretty much it for this week we're gonna um we're going to be adding more stuff as the season goes on. I think we're going to work on getting our own Facebook p- fan page. Uh, I'm going to work on doing more with our Instagram page. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll add more stuff as it comes along. We'll add, add to more platforms. As you point out, we are not on there. Um, I know that there's um, some new ones that are going to be pushing out this this year. So we're, we'll... We will join those as they come out. Are we, and, are, uh, are we part of a TikTok? Is that something we can join? Uh, I have not done any TikTok or OnlyFans, um, <laughs> anything like that. Um, we probably will not be doing that. But, you know, it, let us know if you want that, I guess. <laughs> we would be interested in hearing your demands. Uh, so reach out to us. Uh and thank you to our um, couple people that gave us questions this week, uh, Chris Ledbetter, uh, Karthik Shankar. Thank you guys for getting involved and sending us your questions. And uh, be like them. Send us your questions for next episode, especially as you're watching the Fulham game. Think of some good stuff you want to ask us and uh, send them our way. Uh, I think that's just about it for us this week. Thank you all for listening. And as always... See you at the next gun show.